This episode of the Planet Football Podcast is brought to you by Ritani. Looking for an engagement ring? Check out Ritani. Shop online and your ring is made in New York and sent to you or a local jeweler. It's that easy. Go to Ritani.com sports, that's R-I-T-A-N-I dot sports today for their free diamond giveaway. Welcome to a special Euro 2016 edition of the Planet Football Podcast. I am SI.com soccer editor, Avi Creditor, joined today by SI.com's Ben Littleton. And Ben, every team has played once in France already. We're on our second round of group games. Uh, and I kind of just wanted to get your impressions of the of the tournament so far. Um, I guess let's let's start at the top and, and what has kind of impressed you the most. What team, what player? Well, in terms of teams, what I guess is most interesting is that every team has looked vulnerable and the top three favourites for the competition, France, Germany and Spain, have, have all won their games but didn't win them particularly easily and they all conceded chances. Um, so in terms of quality, I think there's no outstanding team that we've seen yet. I guess the best performance from the first round of matches came from Italy, which no one was expecting at all, really, especially Italians who were bemoaning the fact that in terms of quality, this side was one of the weakest that they've had for a long time. And yet, in terms of intensity, uh, cohesion, tactics, and playing to a game plan, they showed that um, those things are more important than talent by beating Belgium, who are the highest-ranked team based on the FIFA rankings in the competition. So I guess that's one learning. You can say that teams that are greater than the sum of their parts, like Italy, will always beat teams that are lesser than the sum of their parts, like Belgium. And it shows the importance at this level of a top coach, because you look at Antonio Conte and the way he drilled his team, and it was it was really superb. And you look at the other coaches in the tournament and you wonder how many are actually at the absolute peak of their careers. Del Bosque has won two major tournaments in his time in Spain. Yogi Love is a reigning world champion. But if you look at the best coaches in world football at the moment, you'd have to say that most of them, well, two of them are in Manchester, um, Mourinho and Guardiola, but most of them are in club football and the Champions League. And I guess we're seeing that now as well. And some of the quality we saw in France in the last week has not been that high. And yet, in terms of passion and excitement, you look at games like Iceland and Portugal and, and it's all there. So there is drama, but I think um, it's because it's so open and there's no real outstanding team that's emerged yet. And that's the, the 2014 tournament. Um, you know, there's some some moaning back and forth, whether it would dilute the, the quality, whether it would make for more excitement. Have do you, do you think that plays into any of this at all? Uh, possibly. Yeah, possibly. I think in the first round of games, not losing is more important than winning, perhaps. So teams like Ireland and Sweden both really wanted to, needed to win that game to, to have a chance of finishing third in a group where they're, where they're basically competing with each other to finish third, assuming Belgium don't self-destruct even further. Um, and they drew, so they didn't do themselves any favours, but I, I think you're right. But what the corollary of that is, um, will be seen on the on the third round of matches where there will be no dead rubbers because 
even teams that have lost their first two games will think if they just win their last game, they have a chance of finishing third in the group and therefore qualifying as one of the four strongest third-place sides. So there will be opportunities um, late on for teams to make a, a late snatch for a, for a place in the next round. And I think what's also interesting is that we have seen some shock results. I mentioned Italy as well, but especially in Group F, no one was expecting Hungary to win um, and Iceland to get a point against Portugal. And so you're seeing um, some groups open up in, in quite an uh, encouraging and interesting way and look at Group B, where Wales got a win against Slovakia on the opening day. Now, if they can hold England to a draw um, in match day two, then it makes it incredibly interesting in that group because you'll have Wales top, Slovakia second and England third going into the last round of games with England and Slovakia playing each other. Now, that might not necessarily affect who goes through from that group, but it might affect which teams come top of the group. And then if you're expected to come top of the group like England were and you don't, then you go into a different half of the draw. Now, in England, everyone was expecting England to top the group, and they still might. And if they do, they'll be in the half of the draw where Spain and Portugal, if they top their groups, will be. But if they don't top their group, England, they'll be in the half of the draw where France and Germany are expected to be, which is a much harder half of the draw. So there's a lot to play for, and this idea that um, a 2014 tournament will dilute the quality is one argument and the other is it does make it more exciting and more open yeah for sure it's t- it's so tough especially after one game to to kind of peg where everyone is is going to go in the knockout stage um especially when you factor into the third place uh wild cards and and you know how that uh changes all the all the permutations um i want to stay on on england for a bit and then and then move on to some of the other um more interesting uh things that we've seen in the first uh few games of this tournament um but what's what's the sense? Because there was so much optimism around this team, and there always is entering a tournament. Granted, but I felt I felt like it was a little different this time. That this was a different group and and a younger group, and one you know not not going to fall to the same you know kind of historical fate that that past teams have. And and yet here they are giving up a a brutal equalizer, settling for a point, and and now here comes the media storm and and all the negativity. And I'm just kind of curious on your take on. On, uh, on where things stand with this team and if they are strong enough mentally, really, to, to kind of overcome. Exactly. That's a really good question. I think we'll find out very soon because in the first half, England played as well as they've played in a tournament for a very long time. So you could say Roy Hodgson got everything right. He picked um, the right side. Rooney in midfield totally worked. Um, the only failing was that they, they weren't clinical in front of goal and they didn't take their chances. And when they did score a goal, they try to close out the game and fail to do so. And I think that is a big problem. But defence has always been England's problem going into this tournament. We always thought scoring goals wouldn't necessarily be a problem, although it was. Um, but concede, keeping them out might be, might be an issue. And there is a huge amount of pressure now on England going into a game against two sides who are not expected to, to win, but already have points on the board. Um, and it's expected that Roy Hodgson doesn't change his lineup. And you can see why, because it did work for England against against Russia in the first game for most of the game. And yet there are major issues about who's going to take their chances because Sterling and Lalana are simply not clinical enough in front of goal. And when the options are Vardy, Sturridge, um, guys who score goals, even Rashford, who can come off the bench and score goals, then 
you know, you can see why the coach is under enormous pressure. But in terms of balance to the to the starting eleven, I think Roy Hodgson found it, and it was only that very late intervention from Berezitsky. If that goal hadn't gone in, and I know it's a big if, but if England had won one nil, we'd have been saying that was probably one of the best performances of the first round. Yeah, small margins, of course, um, but. But again, you know, you, you give up a late equalizer that's so backbreaking like that, and and a point really feels like none. Um, and now they're they're facing a lot of pressure going against against Wales, right? Uh, there's so much that Wales has to gain by taking a point or obviously winning, but even a point off of England in this game, uh, that it's it's gonna it's shaping up to be one of, one of the best games of the opening round of matches. Before we go any farther, I want to tell you a little bit of story that connects with our sponsor. Uh, when I was a groomsman in my uncle's wedding, I was in charge of basically overseeing the uh, ring bearer for the wedding, who was my four-year-old cousin. And i got to tell you, I let him out of my sight for one second. And even though I swear the ring uh, was on the little pillow with the little twisty tie thing on it, somehow it came off of the pillow and the twisty tie thing was gone. And the ring was somewhere in my uncle's lawn. And uh, judging from the reaction of basically everybody in the wedding party, uh, it taught me right then and there that uh, a ring at a wedding is a pretty big deal and worthy of a lot of stress. Now, that was a long time ago, but ring shopping, as I understand it, is still very stressful. And if you're in the middle of entering that stress right now, you should really check out Ritani. They'll help make it a lot easier on you. All of their rings are handcrafted in New York. You shop online and they'll ship overnight to you or a Ritani jeweler close to you. If it's not exactly right, you can return it with no hassle. This is ring shopping on your terms. There's no pressure and no pushy salespeople. And presumably no weird cousins that will drop the rings in your uncle's lawn. Anyway, you design a ring on their easy-to-use website, they handcraft it, and you choose to get it delivered to your home or to a jeweler near you. It's really that simple. Get the perfect ring and feel great about doing it. And this month, they're giving away a diamond. Now, I think this is the coolest part of this whole thing. You can get a diamond from listening to this podcast. Just visit Ritani.com. That's R-I-T-A-N-I dot com slash sports, spelled like sports, today for the free diamond giveaway. Elsewhere in that first slate of, uh, of games at the Euros, Iceland-Portugal. Um, Portugal looked in control. They got their goal through Nani. And then Iceland pulled one back, and Portugal kind of folded. Uh, Cristiano Ronaldo ends up sounding extraordinarily salty uh, with his comments after the game, You know, just kind of taking jabs at Iceland for celebrating the point like they had won the Euros, which, whatever. Um, is this same old Portugal and, and kind of the Iceland that we saw in qualifying? Yeah, I don't think anyone should be surprised by Iceland's performance. They were they were great in qualifying and they were great in qualifying for the World Cup in Brazil as well when they reached the playoffs and, and lost to Croatia. So they've been doing this for, for four years now. Um, and the key, I think, to, to their result was just holding on before that half-time period when Nani scored after half an hour. Portugal were really pushing for a second and Iceland kept them out and were able to, to take it to half-time. And then you wondered what might happen in the second half. But Portugal were really good for, for about 20, 25 minutes in that first half. And you think if they can maintain that dynamism and vibrancy in their game with Andre Gomez looking excellent in midfield, Nani a danger 
up front as well, then they, you know, they could do things in this tournament. But once again, totally overshadowed by Ronaldo, who shoots when he could pass, who dribbles when he should pass. You know, he still wants to do it all on his own. But the players around him are better than they have been in the past for Portugal. So he just, you know, he would say they're not as good as they are at Real Madrid. But even when he's at Real Madrid, he still doesn't pass or, you know, take other options. Um, but I think Portugal are still a, a danger as long as Ronaldo can see that there's no I in team. <laughs> if you know what I mean. I I I do. Um, I don't know that that's the the Cristiano way, but but like you said, that the cast around him is is actually quite good. Um, and it's you know one of those wild card things. If it all comes together, you look at Portugal as a team, and look, they made the semifinals. Um, you know, in the last in the last competition, they they're not immune to a deep run. Uh, they could definitely do it again. Right, and I know Grant picked Iceland as a as a dark horse as well, and I don't think teams will want to get will want to face them if they get through to the next round. Because this is a side that's incredibly well organised and does have talent on the break. And Portugal was saying, Ronaldo was saying how defensive they were. But they were set up to counter. And this is uh, something I think we're seeing quite a lot of in, in this tournament, certainly in the first round of games. Teams playing the Leicester way, defending in a, in a deep low block and then attacking with pace on the counter. And I guess the, the, the most uh, telling numbers to to prove that is that only four center forwards scored goals out of 22 in the first round of games and the first one was the first goal in the whole tournament Olivier Giroud against Romania another was Graziano Pelle against um, Belgium in the last minute for Italy but the other two you could almost say you're being generous to call them strikers because one was Adam Shalai for Hungary whose last goal was 49 games ago <laughs> and the other was Hal Robson Carnu's winner and while he plays normally at centre-forward for Wales, let's not forget, this is a guy who currently doesn't have a club in England. So um, there are very few centre-forwards who have been doing the business in the first round. We all had high hopes for Ibrahimovic, Lewandowski, Thomas Muller, who was playing out wide, Romelu Lukaku, who had a shocking game against Italy, Alvaro Morata, who looked nervous, um, uh, as did Harry Kane, you could argue, for England. So centre forwards at the moment haven't haven't lit up the tournament, and I think this is because teams are are playing the Leicester way. That's interesting, um, and like you said, so much talent in the attack for you know across the board with all of these teams. Um, it is is a little surprising to see the lack of goal scoring um, across the board. And and speaking about the goals, there have been some fantastic ones, and I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on which ones. Uh, have been the best so far. Payet's winner for France in the opener, obviously an emotional goal for him. You saw what it meant to him uh, and to France as a big three points for them to take. You never want to not win if you're the opening nation or the the host nation at the, in the opening game. Um, but Gareth Bale's free kick. Uh, we're taping this uh, right after uh, Slovakia and Russia. And Mark Hamšík had a fantastic goal. What, what stood out for you so far? Oh, I think Payet's goal was was the outstanding one. As you said, just for the, the way it was scored, the quality of the goal, but the fact that it was the last minute, it was a guy who um, wasn't even in contention six months ago. I mean, I literally mean as recently as six months ago, he was nowhere near. And then he's made his form, made himself undroppable. And this also goes to show kind of how pragmatic Didier Deschamps is. Because if you look at the side that he was playing 12 months ago, and bear in mind, France haven't played any 
competitive games for two years since the World Cup. So he spent two years building a side for this tournament. And a year ago, the front three was Benzema, Griezmann and Valbuena. Now, two of those aren't playing. Um, his midfield was Pogba, Matuidi and Lasana Diara. And Diara is now injured. Um, Pogba may be dropped, we're expecting, for, for, for the game um, against Albania on Wednesday. So that's two players out of the midfield. And then you look at his defence and... A year ago, he was starting with Varane and Sacco as his first-choice centre-backs. So, and Debussy as right-back. So you're looking at the outfield and seven players have changed from the guys that were in his mind a year ago. And now he's thinking about building the whole team around Payet, who was nowhere near the, nowhere near the squad. So Deschamps is pragmatic, um, but he's also very happy to give the keys to the shop, as they say in France, to the guys who are in form. And Payet is that man. And the fact that he cried when he went off the pitch was, you know, really won people over. It was a fantastic story and a brilliant goal. And finally, a guy, you know, who's been on the fringes, who's always had talent, but is now 29 years old. It, you know, it seems to have finally clicked for him. He can be the star when everyone was expecting Pogba or Griezmann um, to be the hero of, of this team. It could be... Payet, which is fantastic. And in terms of other goals, Hamzix was was brilliant. In terms of the free kicks, Bale and Dyer, I found them really surprising because while they were, everyone loves a free kick going in, it seemed to me the goalkeepers were really poor at lining up their walls or getting in the right position. And I think this is something else we've seen in the first round of games. A lot of goalkeeping mistakes, but also a lot of fantastic goalkeeping performances from the top goalkeepers. So you think about Hugo Lloris making a huge save for France in the first five minutes against Romania. Buffon did the same for Italy against Belgium, an early, very important save, as did Manuel Neuer, repeatedly, in fact, for Germany against Ukraine. So the, the big goalkeepers came up big in the early stages of their matches. And you compare this to the next rung down uh, of goalkeepers. You look at the Albania goalkeeper who made a mistake for the Switzerland goal, the Romania goalkeeper... Tata Serrano made a mistake for the Giroud goal, the opener for France. And then the Slovakia and Russia keepers, who I think were at fault for, for those free kicks going in. I think we're seeing some very good goalkeeping, but at the other end of the scale, it's not all good. Fair enough. I, yeah, I thought Neuer was was tremendous. Probably not getting as much credit as he should, maybe because he, it's just expected at this point. But um, but he made some incredible saves to, to give Germany an important three points. Um, Let's look ahead uh, real quick, and then we'll get out of here. Just the games to come. What what do you have circled? Uh, I know it's a little... The pressure isn't as high on a lot of these teams because there is that third-place possibility um, that I, I don't know that we're going to see You know, one of the behemoths not make it into the knockout stage, but you never know. Um, I, I guess which of these games coming up in the next day or two uh, are going to determine that. Well, England-Wales is the obvious one because you're right. It's going to be very hard to not qualify to the next round if you're a big side but you also do want to top your group because you get an easier draw and that is certain so you could see England Wales having a huge impact on what happens in group C in group B Germany Poland will be interesting although Germany are big favorites in that game and I'm also interested in in seeing Czech Republic against Croatia because everyone is now tipping Croatia as a dark horse after they beat a, a pretty poor looking Turkey side in their first game but I actually really liked the Czechs. I liked them before the tournament, as you know. 
um, Abby, because you've seen my bracket, which has them reaching the last eight and beating, <laughs> Belgium, and beating Belgium on the way. But also, I like them against Spain because even though Spain were dominant, they held out for 88 minutes. And even on 82 minutes, they had a really good chance to, you know, to score on the break. So while everyone was saying Spain were brilliant and all that they're missing is a goal scorer, I thought the Czechs defended really well and had a game plan and almost stuck to it. So I'm looking forward to seeing the Czechs play Croatia because I think both those teams will go through that group. Um, but it'll be interesting to see in which order. And then how Belgium cope against the Republic of Ireland, which is a different type of challenge to, to the Italian challenge. But now Belgium are, are under serious pressure. And they played against Wales twice in qualifying and didn't score once. Now, Ireland are organised like Wales. They lack a match winner like Wales having Gareth Bale, but you know they could be hard to break down. So I think Belgium have a huge task against the Irish, and that game is on Saturday. And then how Portugal respond to their disappointment against Austria, who also underperformed in their opening game. Everyone is, was expecting Austria to be dark horses for the tournament, myself included. And that game takes on a huge importance now as well. Absolutely. Um, look, all it takes is, is one game to change to change some fortunes. Um, and, and again, when, when the margins are, um, you know, are pretty small, but then again, the, the third place finishing aspect, uh, you know, three points in any game are, are, are going to flip the switch for a lot of teams. So a lot to keep an eye out for as this tournament continues to unfold, but definitely some, uh, some fantastic things. One of my favorite moments, um, Maybe it shouldn't be a favorite because it kind of highlights how poor the security has been and and kind of you know the fan situation. Uh, but Croatia, when when Luka Modric scored his goal, uh, you see a fan run onto the field and slide into the celebration with the team. He kissed Modric on the cheek. Fortunately, he wasn't dangerous. The players seemed to have no problem with it at all. Um, but but fan behavior at this competition has has kind of overshadowed everything and of course russia is on on the verge of being expelled with one more violent incident uh they might not make it out anyway but um but ben is is this going to be a tournament and and then we can finish up uh that is remind is is remembered for off-field incidents or or for what happens on it well i hope not i hope it's for the latter because um you know as the tournament gets going and, and builds up momentum it, it should be really really exciting and, and close to call and and you know if there are more games like Belgium against Italy then I think it'll be one to remember and yet the organization in certain cities has been poor the policing has been heavy-handed and the behavior of the fans of course has been questionable and you know in some cases bang out of order so it, it hasn't been great so far I'm hoping that things improve and it is a real shame that you know when you look at teams like Iceland, Ireland, Northern Ireland, um, Poland, these guys Albania these guys are just happy to be there and it should be a celebration um, of nations of national identity um, you know of, of the global role that football plays in society and community and it's and it's not which is a real disappointment so let's hope that um, the bat, the worst is behind us, and and the next few days are remembered for football and not other things. Amen to that, and I think that's a uh, a good way to wrap up this special Euro 2016 edition of the Planet Football Podcast. I want to thank Ben Littleton for joining us. Our producer is Alex Abnos. We'll be back with you a little later on in the competition. I am Avi Creditor. We'll talk to you next time. 
Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network? Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.